What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Trade Talk. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the macro backdrop of the current U.S. economy, which slightly boils over into the global economy. But mostly uh, it is about the U.S. economy. And um, I have been looking at things and it's been quite an interesting time, especially since our dear president just recently said, uh, what, 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 let me quote him properly. So I, I don't want, I don't want to misquote this, but as he says, our economy and jobs are doing really well. Next year will be a record setter. Stay tuned. Starting to get very high marks in our handling of coronavirus, China virus. <laughs> that is the most hilarious part, uh, especially when compared to other countries and areas around the world. Now the vaccines plus are coming and fast. Well, the main point of what I'm trying to say here is the key thing to our economy. Speaking of next year is going to be a record setting year. In every way that I speak about these podcasts and my thesis, they all correlate consistently. It's not jumping around from idea to idea and thinking, how does this work? Of course, yes. Within a fund, you're going to day trade and you're going to find ideas and you're going to scalp and make money. However, you always want to have a consistent thesis, and that's what we have, is a consistent thesis that is based off of the overall market commentary from the Fed, and especially from this president, so we have an idea of what direction we're going. The concept of me saying this has more to do with setting the stage as the administration continues to set the stage. Remember I told you, third quarter is not where the money is. Third quarter is where the discounts are. Fourth quarter is where the money is. And it's not fourth quarter itself, but the fourth quarter earnings. When the president says we're going to have a record year, he's already telling you what the intent is. When Jerome Powell says rates are pegged until 2022 and we don't mind inflation, he's already telling you. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse with, uh, with a continuation from my last episode. But you're going to hear these themes over and over again because that's what they are. So when everyone is running around and saying, oh my gosh, my Tesla stock, my Apple stock, all oh, my stocks are doing really, really well. Remember one key thing. And this is the thing that is most, most, most interesting. Our economy is running off of monetary policy. And to get the macro of what is going on, you would have to understand what the monetary policy is. We have given the control of what happens monetarily in this country to the Fed. It's almost like a fourth branch of government, though it is not, because it's really just meant to to put money into the economy. However, as things have as we live in this democracy, And we're seeing that the budget deficits are going to become whatever the government wants them to be. Even when people are saying, no, 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 no. This is why you're seeing income, sorry, not income, but wealth gaps. You see, when the Fed uses this monetary policy that it's using, which is add liquidity to market, it's always a recipe for income disparity. Because pushing money into an economy increases asset prices. 
Who owns assets? Rich people. So with parabolic moves, even like you see in the stock market, how you'll say the rich are getting richer. This is ridiculous. In a pandemic, this guy made $26 billion more or whatever. Yeah. They own assets. This thing we are experiencing is going to separate the wealth gap even further. And the point of the episode is to make you see that the macro is what's going to help us reach our record-breaking years next year. This year ain't the record-breaking year. Next year will be. And I don't care if it's Biden or Trump. It will spill over. Any policy being done right now will affect the fourth quarter to make sure people have spending money and will spill right over into the first quarter and the bets are going to be very heavy. Buying big in the third quarter, holding in through the fourth quarter, not selling, selling in the first quarter when they report the fourth quarter earnings. You see, we had a particular situation in this country in which giving the Fed this kind of power has completely separated capital and labor. We run it from a capital perspective, not to be confused with capitalistic, but a capital perspective, meaning money infusions. Now, that is to say that when you're doing these money infusions, you're going to have higher corporate profits, stagnant to lower wages, which you already see, and a pretty much situation of disinflation. Disinflation should not be confused with deflation. Disinflation is simply the rate of, uh, like a reduction of the rate of inflation, meaning inflation isn't moving as fast as you would think. The best way to think of this is from 2015 all the way up until now, you barely saw any rate hikes. When they cut the rates back in 2009, by the time we even got to these rate cuts, we were only at like a what? A three, three and a quarter at the most at the Fed funds rate. Very, very, very disinflationary. And the fact that the government and especially the Fed have come to see that disinflation exists in the market. You can now understand, and this is something I had to learn myself. I had to take a step back because I was getting this wrong all of 2019, saying that the market is running too hot. Things have to fall back. But what I learned is they figured out how to make the economy run through a capital metric instead of a labor metric. Having bigger deficits, but maintaining unemployment to a low level. Perfect example for anyone who doesn't remember this is, think back to last year where the president's saying we've had record um, job growth. We don't have much unemployment. The market's growing. All these things are growing all at the same time. You're not making more as a laborer because the system isn't based off of labor anymore. It's become global. The labor's being shipped out outside. Even when the president's telling y'all we're going to make America great again, well, the, the, the problem economically or global economically from a macro perspective is that the, the labor has to be shipped out because they've found a way to, 
to maintain increased deficits. It's by a capital metric as opposed to a labor metric. Now, everyone is saying that we're going to switch to the labor metric, and this is why it never happens, is because if you switch to a labor metric, you'll have higher inflation. Now, you'll say, well, aren't we going to get to a labor metric? Aren't we going to switch to the labor metric because we are trying to get more people employed? No, I don't think we do. And the reason you know that we're not going to is because they gave all that money to those corporations from uh, Delta, United, and all the... September's coming to an end. They've already planned the layoffs with all those 13,000 employees plus in October. Still a capital metric. Though this concept sounds more complex and maybe harder to follow, what you're starting to understand is that this is what it is from 30,000 feet. When you really look at the landscape all the way across, the intent is to keep the economy running hot, meaning your stocks churning out profits, meaning the companies churning out profits, record-setting stock prices, and seeing at the same time can they maintain inflation if they can fix the unemployment down to about 5% and have this all run. Oh, goodness gracious. You'll never see a labor metric in this country. I don't care how much they say make America great again. It'll never happen. But the problem is that what happens three to four years from now? It is not in the immediate minds of the political agenda, but it will matter. So what's the thesis of the episode? so to say. Well, the thesis of the episode is more so to say that we're getting even more confirmation that you can be long the market. You're getting even more confirmation that you can stay steadfast in the, in the, in the theory of the fourth quarter is going to pay, is where you're going to really make this record-setting money. And it's not simply just because the president says it. It's because the Fed is on board with the president at the same time, so you know it as opposed to it just being said. You know, the narrative of what we're seeing is, I would say, like a once in a lifetime kind of situation. Just like people thought 2008 was the once in a lifetime situation. But the reason why this is even more a once in a lifetime situation is because in 2008, it was harder for you to to understand what was going to happen. Not because, oh, we have this... uh, this the, this mortgage market that's on fire and no one ever loses their home. But because in this instant, due to COVID, the market makers are gone. Before, we had Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, other companies that made markets and evened out the playing field. In essence, entities that act, acted as go-betweens to set market pricing. For the most part, they're gone, and the Fed acts as a market maker at this point. They've diluted the powers of independent corporations to do it. Not saying they're completely gone, but they're all now, all those banks are now 
very tight with their liquidity, very tight with their balance sheets. So they don't want to run into any problems. So the Fed has to step up and be the liquidity provider, which in, and which in essence makes them the market maker, which in essence allows you to buy into your positions and hold them or continuously say they're flipping and you're making money. It has become so bad in this is that equities and treasuries now have a negative correlation to each other. What I mean by this is that there was a time where you would buy your equities when things were robust and you would buy your treasuries when things were bearish. They don't have they have a negative correlation now. They're not reciprocals of each other. The treasuries are already trash, but we are the global reserve currency and the treasuries are trash because the interest rate is trash. Interest rates 1% are damn near zero. So the treasuries aren't worth anything as the reciprocal when stocks are going bad. Bridgewater Associates built their whole business off of this because this is what worked prior to 2008. Now look how far we've gotten and where we are. There's no more risk parity for, uh, for equities and treasuries. You can't get into a, a reciprocal uh, hedge. So you're forced to just buy the equities. That is what I mean by the Fed has become the market maker. Man, it's going to be an interesting time coming up. It's going to be exciting, in my opinion. I don't want to draw this out too long because it could get confusing. But I do for lack of a better word, like what I see. I'm happy to just say that there's a clear path to where things are going. And if we can maintain a good vision of when to get off of the ride, even if we're jumping out too early, we'll still succeed. And it is my thought that jump out and take a breather when we catch these runs that are about to happen in the next six to eight months and see what happens with uh, kind of the policy of the next presidential candidate. I think Biden wins, but there's a lot of people, a good friend of mine is even saying that, hey, Trump is, is hot on his heels. I thank you guys for tuning in. This is Trade Talk. I know this might have been a bit esoteric, but it's meant to give you a macro view of what I think where we are and where we push towards next. In the coming episodes, they'll be more specific to particular stock. But I always like to sit and reaffirm my thesis narrow things down so I know why I'm going to buy. Again, thank you for tuning in. Trade Talk, LA Aco. Take care.